Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Hello there, welcome. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Let's do it again. Welcome to the first Wednesday of the week. I'm so glad you made it. Gonna have some fun today. Plenty to go through. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Daily Boogie. What an absolute pleasure to see you there. Thanks so much for joining us. Hope you've had a lovely day. I certainly have. If you couldn't tell by the title of today's show, we are going to be talking about the poppy fields in Afghanistan. (laughs) No, just kidding. We're going to be talking about global warming, of course. No, just kidding. Um, It's pretty obvious what we're going to be talking about, mostly. We are going to do a little bit of follow-up, though. And I I came across um, the most magnificent piece on The Guardian of all places. A topic that is very close to my heart as somebody who studies and loves to study political speech, speech writing. Um, The Guardian has put together a little video with a communications expert saying that Donald Trump is a rhetorical genius. And so we absolutely must, we must go over that at some point. I'll try to squeeze that in. Not to mention um, more retardation coming out of the great state of California, which we'll end the show on. A high note, obviously, very high. About four or five blunts in, that kind of high. So thanks for joining us. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to attack me, raise the bar, call me an alt-right nationalist, a rhetorical genius, or get really high, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Ladies and gentlemen, let's rock and roll. Let's kick it off. I like to do a little bit of follow-up. So yesterday we went over the white nationalist hearing in Congress. Today, today the spin begins. I it's it's like Boxing Day. It's like the day after Christmas. But if the roles were reversed, I I always look forward to when something happens like what happened yesterday with uh when this white nationalist here on screen Candace Owens, you can tell she's obviously a white nationalist, a Hitler sympathizer. Uh, when she was invited by the other Nazis, known as the Republican Party, to speak on the topic of hate crime and white nationalism to Congress, you just knew that there was going the spin machine was going to be in full... Uh, it was going to be turned up to 11, spinal tap style, today. So I woke up like a kid, a kid at Christmas, like, oh, I can't wait. So I went to one of my personal favorite salon and they did not disappoint, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Republicans use black woman, Jewish man, to gaslight Congress on threat of white nationalism. Not another prop. Not more props, you say. 
God. And I was like, if, if only they used the word prop. If only. Republicans turned a serious hearing. It's interesting. On a national security threat into another episode of, quote, triggering the libs. Ladies and gentlemen, Salon. <laughs> You know um, memes go full circle when your opponents begin using the very language of the meme itself. We saw it on Trust and Verify, a show I do with James on Sunday. Well, it's Sunday afternoon, sometimes Sunday night, sometimes it's Monday morning. We notoriously fuck with our audience when we actually do the show. But we had, um, we watched David Axelrod talking about a meme that Carpe Donctum made of Joe Biden, Brian Stelter used the term Joe Biden fondling himself. <laughs> and David Axelrod was arguing, well, it might it might work with Trump supporters, but I don't see this meme making impact, any kind of impact in the in the broader media. Even though he re- he literally just played the meme on his own show. <laughs> this this meme isn't going to make it through to the mainstream media. What this meme here? This meme that you just played, David. We are dealing with some kind of genius here, ladies and gentlemen. So now Salon is using the terms triggering the libs in regards to their own reaction to this white nationalist, Candace Owens, obvious, an obvious white nationalist, Candace Owens, <laughs> speaking about hate crimes to Congress. It is often easy to get caught up in the outrage cycle generated by the behaviour of President Trump and the people in his administration. This this article is just full of come-to-Jesus moments. This is full of embracing the reality, although the conclusions drawn from the reality, one may argue, are a little bit tinged. Embracing the reality they are, nonetheless... It's often easy. This is monumental stuff from Salon. I can't believe what I'm reading. It is often easy to get caught up in the outrage cycle generated by the behavior of President President Trump and the people in his, his administration. That's what we've been telling you for the last three years. It's like, hey, chill out. Relax. Relax, man. I thought you were supposed to be the cool kids. I thought you were supposed to be the kids that don't give a fuck about anything, right? Yeah, whatever, dude. Whatever. It's just an idiot anyway. Who cares what he says? Fucking yeah. But you, you 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 can't be the cool kid when you're simul- simultaneously screaming at everything. Ah, he's a Nazi. Fucking Russia. Ah. Doesn't work that way. The article continues. The daily barrage of lies. I'm I'm being I'm being barraged with lies. It's a torrent of lies and untruths followed by gaslighting from his supporters, is only upstaged by his flouting of decorum, undermining of institutions, and the cruelty of his policies. Well, they nearly made it. They nearly got there. It is essential to remember, however, that Trump has merely perfected the art of, quote, triggering the libs. Ladies and gentlemen, Salon, come on, you got to tip your hat to this shit. Trump has merely perfected the art of triggering the libs? You are the libs. <laughs> you say this woman is a white nationalist. <laughs> of all things, of all the things you could call Candace Owens, you went with Nazi. Good job. Good job. That the political party he commandeered in 2016 has been developing for decades. 
Republicans masterful masterful troll of a House hearing on the growing dangers of white supremacist violence on Tuesday serves as purpose to the app test reminder that the GOP is willing to deny America a sober conversation about anything based on facts. Ladies and gentlemen, again, it was the Democrats who accused Candace Owens of being a Hitler lover. <laughs> It was the it was the mere act of inviting Candace Owens. The Republicans then made a mockery of this discussion, which then led Ted Liu to accuse her of being a Nazi. <laughs> when Democrats on the House Judiciary Committee decided to hold a hearing on white nationalism, Republicans immediately set out to derail it. Following their long-standing pattern of inviting disreputable witnesses to testify before Congress, Republicans invited black conservative pundit Candace Owens and Mort Klein, head of the Zionist Organization of America, to downplay the threat of white nationalism. Democrats on the committee, for their part, asked representatives from the Anti-Defamation League, Equal Justice Society and National Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law, as well as officials from Facebook and Google, to testify at Tuesday's hearings. Not making a mockery of anything at all, are they? What could have been a fruitful opportunity to address rampant white nationalism online and its rising body count in the real world, to hold tech giants accountable and to ferret out best practices on de-radicalisation in a meaningful way that perhaps saves lives, was hijacked. In the words of Rep David Cicilline, Now, why the hell are we asking David Cicilline on his opinion about these hearings? You'll remember, we played the clip yesterday... Upon uh, calling Candace Owens despicable, slandering her and not allowing her an opportunity to retort, when she finally got an opportunity to retort to his comments, as she was allowed the time from one of the Republicans asking questions, he promptly got up and left the fucking room with with his tail between his legs. Why the hell are we asking? David Cicilline, you can't... He's saying the the hearing was hijacked. David, it's not hijacked if you get out of the car and leave the keys in the ignition, mate. (laughs) If you get up out of the seat and walk out of the room and somebody else takes over, it's not hijacked. You vacated the premises. You ran away. Nobody hijacked your car. (laughs) You gave it away to somebody else. You couldn't even sit there. I'm out of here, David Cicilline. From their witness list to their questions to their sustained attack on a colleague and Democrats, Republicans deliberately tried to evade the issue of growing white supremacists. <laughs> Someone in the chat accusing me of using trot, but what? What'd you call it? Troll bots, viewer troll bots. Wow. (laughs) Fantastic stuff. Wow. I think there's about 90 broadcasts online. And I think they're all about, you know, average about a thousand viewers. So. (laughs) Fantastic. I'm flattered. I'm flattered that people think I'm using troll bots. Wow. It's incredible. 
In the words of David Cicilline, instead of addressing the threat of white nationalism in the United States and around the world, Republicans sought to claim that Democrats only pretend to care about anti-Semitism and racism as a cudgel against conservatives. From their witness list to their questions to their sustained attack on a colleague and Democrats, Republicans deliberately tried to evade the issue of growing white supremacist violence and trivialized, trivialized the, ugh, why is that word so hard to say? Trivialize the hearing. And based on the pervasive coverage, it appears that they were successful. There you go. Fantastic stuff, ladies and gentlemen. The Republicans ruined the hearing on white nationalism. How did they manage to do that when they're in the minority? I thought it was a serious hearing. Surely the party that is in control of these hearings with Jerry Nadler. Surely the party that's in control of these hearings with Jerry Nadler swinging the gavel. How could they possibly be derailed by one white nationalist named Candace Owens and a bunch of Nazis, otherwise known as the GOP? How would that even be possible? Well, I guess it happened. Um, since the Republicans have now perfected the art form, according to Salon, of triggering the libs, I want to take you to this. Mother Jones, here's why Andrew Yang's alt-right supporters thinks think he's the 2020 candidate for white nationalists. Yes, a hard-left Asian man is also a white nationalist, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We've got to have a serious discussion about white nationalism here. Last month, Andrew... <laughs> Last month, Andrew Yang's 2020 presidential bid careened from out of nearly nowhere onto the 2020 Democratic debate stage in a matter of days. And there he is. It almost looks like he's doing a whole Hitler, doesn't it? Great photo selection. Until March 4, the hashtag Yang Gang had mostly been quietly floating around Twitter, only occasionally garnering a peak of just hundreds of daily mentions. But on that day, it spiked into the thousands, according to metrics shared with Mother Jones and compiled by Zach Verdon, a partner at the pro-democracy independent research collective, guardians.ai. Pro-democracy independent research collective. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if we go down here to the bottom of the article, where are we? Oh, this is very professional. Here we go. Right here. To Louis and other alt-right Yang supporters, his UBI plan because he wants to give every citizen a thousand bucks a month. Vote for me and I'll pay you a thousand dollars a month. His UBI plan would not only help people who are suffering economically, but since it would only go to citizens, they excitedly claim it would create, quote, a digital border wall. Critics of Yang's UBI plan have noted it could increase inflation, but to Louis and others, there's another bonus. If everything costs more and only American citizens have access to UBI, then undocumented immigrants will have less economic incentive to come to the United States. When asked about this element of his support, Yang's campaign pushed back sharply, pointing out that Yang is the son of Taiwanese immigrants and that he has no intention of harming or negatively impacting immigrants in any way. 
His campaign website endorses the DREAM Act and the Make Them Earn It pathway to citizenship. But such statements haven't dissuaded racist supporters. White nationalist Discord communities, Yang groups, and 4chan supporters have seized on two Yang tweets addressing the demographic future of white people in America as evidence that he gets their white nationalist worldview. And here's here's a tweet from Andrew Yang. Deaths now outnumber births among white people in more than half the states in the country. Much of of this is low birth rates and white men dying from substance abuse and suicide. Our life expectancy has declined for three years. We need to do much more. So there you go. Talking about Andrew Yang, talking about the difference, the ratio between births and deaths, advocating for a UBI, essentially socialist policies, ladies and gentlemen. He's now the alt-right white nationalist candidate for the Democrats in 2020. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful? The day after, the day after the hearing, Republicans use Candace Owens, a prop, to gaslight Congress on white nationalism. She's obviously a white nationalist and a Hitler lover. And Andrew Yang, the Democratic presidential hopeful, who is also a favourite of the white nationalists and the alt-right. I just, bravo. Well done, Liberal Press. You never cease to entertain and amuse us all. Absolutely sensational stuff. Let's get back to the price of fish, though. Attorney General William Barr thinks spying did occur on the Trump campaign. With the Russia investigation complete, Mr. Barr said he was preparing to review, quote, both the genesis and the conduct of intelligence activities directed at the Trump campaign, including possible improper spying by American intelligence agencies. What I think is most delicious about this is that the people who have been most boisterous in their support of getting to the facts, we need the facts, we need to reveal the truth, we need to know everything about this supposed Russia investigation. We need to know everything about the investigation itself. It all needs to be presented on the table right here so we can all read it. Tomorrow onwards, they'll all be saying there is absolutely no way that any of it should be investigated. That would be unfair. It's a political witch hunt. (laughs) You can count on it. You can count on it. But their protestations, I'm afraid, perhaps this time, comrades, will fall on deaf ears. Quote, I think spying on a political campaign is a big deal, Mr. Barr said, adding that he believed, quote, spying did occur. Mr. Trump and his allies have accused the FBI and other government officials of abusing their power and cooking up the Russia investigation to sabotage the president. I am not suggesting that those rules were violated, but I think it's important to look at them, Mr. Barr said. How dare he? What a fascist. What a Nazi. He's obviously covering up for Donald Trump here. By even considering to investigate how this investigation, which lasted 22 months, issued 28,000 subpoenas, conducted, what was it, 5,000 interviews and cost over $30 million. By even considering casting an eye over this, this venture, why he, this, is obvious, this is obvious evidence of some kind of cover-up and or conspiracy... <laughs> And there absolutely be, there must be no investigation of it whatsoever. Any attempt to get to the truth, because now you'll see, uh, now the American citizens they don't deserve to hear the truth. They can't, they can't handle the truth. 
They're all turning into Jack Nicholson today. Later, he said he wanted to ensure that there was no improper surveillance, not suggesting there had been, but that the possibility warranted review. It was not immediately clear what Mr. Barr was referring to. Oh, we're so confused. I've got no idea what Mr. Barr is talking about. <laughs> Improper surveillance? What? What is, he, what is this guy talking about? He's crazy. He's a crazy fascist. <laughs> it's a cover-up, I tells you. And he did not present evidence to back up his statement. Now, ah, I see. I see. The FBI obtained a secret surveillance warrant on a former Trump campaign advisor, Carter Page, after he left the campaign, and reports have suggested. Now, isn't that interesting writing? Reports have suggested? I mean, three weeks ago, it was obvious. There weren't reports suggesting it used at least one confidential informer to collect information on campaign associates. Three weeks ago, we had information collected from campaign associates. Remember all the people who were flipping? Every week, somebody else flipped. Ah, oh, we've got it on. It's Muller time, baby. It's Muller time. Mr. Barr said that he will work with the FBI Director Christopher Wray to examine the origins of the Bureau's counterintelligence investigation of the Trump campaign and that he would soon set up a team for that effort. I actually did a video a long time ago. God, it must have been six months ago. Something like that. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, it's called uh, something along the lines of a rhetorical analysis of Christopher Wray's address. And it's about an hour and a half. And in that video, I make the argument using Christopher Ray's own framing and his own language in the speech that he gave, that it was important for Ray to preserve the integrity of the FBI, because a lot of people were saying, oh, he's covering it up. He's covering it up. But the problem is, if he comes out and says that the FBI got this investigation wrong, if he comes out and says that this was horrible uh, the FBI can't be trusted, there's corruption at all levels, then you you essentially make all other investigations null and void. Because if you then try to investigate other people, those other people are merely going to turn around and say, well, we can't trust anything that comes out of the FBI when you're pointing the finger at us. So it was critical for Christopher Ray to preserve the integrity of the FBI at the time that he did, because now, ladies and gentlemen, when... Mr. Barr is working with Mr. Ray to examine the origins of the Bureau's counterintelligence investigation of the Trump campaign. Nobody can turn around and say that the FBI can't be trusted. Especially not the people who have been saying all along that everybody must absolutely trust what the FBI says. You see? You see how it works? Under intense questioning from Democratic senators, Mr. Barr further pulled back the curtain on the Justice Department's handling of the special counsel investigation, though only by a few inches. Mr. Barr shed some additional light on Mr. Mueller's decision not to reach a prosecutorial decision about whether Mr. Trump criminally obstructed the investigation and his own decision to conclude in his letter to Congress delivering the investigation's conclusions last month that the evidence did not meet that bar. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, the New York Times is one of the premier newspapers in the world by reputation going back a few decades. That is one sentence. That is terrible writing. <laughs> you don't make one whole paragraph one sentence. 
how the hell are people getting these jobs? So they're confused. They don't know what Mr. Barr's talking about. They've got no idea. What? Improper? Improper spying? What? 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 That's crazy. You're a crazy person. You sound like a crazy person. So I want to show you a little bit of CNN showing how crazy Mr. Barr really is. Uh, what is the basis for reaching that conclusion or a belief that something like that occurred? And what are the consequences for those who uh, committed unauthorizing, un unauthorized surveillance? Um, did you say that I said that it occurred? Uh, you indicated, uh, I think I, I tried to at least reflect on what your quote was, that you thought spying on a political campaign occurred in the course of an intelligence agency's investigation into Russian interference in 2016. I thought the question was, uh, did I have any basis for saying And I'm now asking what the basis <laughs> Do you know what William Barr reminds me of? He reminds me of an employee at the DMV that you fucking hate when you have to deal with them. You know what I mean? Like a pub, the kind of public servant that just saps all of the joy and life force out of your soul when you have to deal with them face to face. You know, you've been waiting for two hours at the DMV to get a certain, you know, form approved or something and you get up and you get this guy and he looks at you like that with like com a complete lack of interest, <laughs> complete lack of understanding with pure dismissal in his eyes. Well, well, Mr. Bumper, have you signed off on Section 231, which would indicate correct transference of the vehicle cost to the buyer? Well, yes, of course, I've, I've, I've ticked off Section 231. Are you saying that I need to fill out another form? I'm not saying you need to fill out another form, but you need to follow the protocols on the form that you have been given. Well, I think I have filled out the protocols on the form I've been given. Can you tell me if I haven't got the right protocols on this form? Look, I can't help you with that. Uh, if you would like to walk down there and take a number, somebody else will help you and tell you whether or not you have completed the right sections of the form. But I cannot approve a form unless you have completed the right section. But you can tell me if I completed the right section of the form, can't you? Like, isn't that your job? I don't need you to tell me what my job is, son. You just go down there. You take a number. <laughs> You'll be like that kind of guy. You're going to get absolutely nothing out of him. basis is or what the facts are that lead you to that thought. Uh, okay. I, I felt I am concerned about it, and I was asked about whether there was any basis for it, and I believe there is a basis for my concern, but I'm not going to discuss the basis. <laughs> and what's potential consequences for those who violated the law? Well, it depends what, it depends what the facts ultimately prove to be. Uh, which would be determined in a prosecution? Possibly, but you know, there also kind. There can be abuses that may not arise to the level of a, of a crime, but that you know people might think is bad and want to put in rules or prophylaxis against it. I mean, I remember when <laughs> See, uh, there was any guy that uses terms like rules and prophylaxis is definitely a DMV employee waiting to happen. Bar just Bar just had too much talent. Say so he had to bring his DMV game to the Senate. Uh, a lot of uh, you know, people upset at uh, 
the FBI, you know, spying on or surveilling civil rights groups or anti-war groups or nuclear freeze groups and so forth. And as a result of that, there were a lot of safeguards built in. There were also concerns about surveilling reporters, and so safeguards have been put in. So it doesn't necessarily have to result in a, in a, uh, a criminal investigation or a finding of a crime. Uh, but you know, part of my responsibility... Breaking news. William Barr said there's no crime. CNN. ...is to protect the civil liberties of the American people. And I think, I think uh, something that is... Uh, uh, important is that uh, the law enforcement and intelligence agencies uh, respect the limits on their powers. I share that view with you, Mr. General, uh, and uh, am of the same generation in which those things uh, occurred and were alleged to have occurred. Senator Shaheen. Yes, Mr. Chairman, I remember that too. And uh, I rem- lot of empty chairs there. lot of empty chairs. Do you notice how many times there are empty chairs at these things? What the hell are these people getting paid to do? Why are there empty chairs? Congratulations, son. You've been appointed to the Oversight Committee. Well, that sounds great. What the hell do I do? Well, you show up when the cameras are rolling. When you can get your picture taken. For the rest of the time, you can do blow in your office. Nobody really cares. It's a free run around here. Remember when J. Edgar Hoover's FBI surveilled... Just make sure you fill out those forms correctly, boy. ...student groups as well, mm-hmm. having been in one of those student groups that was surveilled. Um, I, I want to ask a couple of what I hope will be very short questions. Over the past two years, <laughs> the subcommittee in Congress has... In other words, Mr. Barr, please don't give long answers. ...provided record levels of funding for the Office of Violence Against Women. Um, that is true about the recent omnibus as well. We have not yet reauthorized the Violence Against Women Act, and I want to be reassured that the... What's with the person sitting behind her? She looks terrified. Is she there against her will? I just noticed. She looks like she's in a hostage video. Violence Against Women Act, and I want to be reassured... You stare straight ahead. Don't don't make eye contact with anybody. (laughs) It's creepy. How about a smile? You're getting paid to sit around and listen to this shit all day. How about a smile? Would a smile kill you? Come on. Sure that the Justice Department, despite all right, all so right. for again further clarification on his. Let's let's go for some clarification with a CNN panel show. Comment previous earlier in the hearing that he said that he believes some spying did occur on the campaign. Jennifer, now what? <laughs> so I think he was a little puzzled by the suggestion that he, he, he was puzzled. Wait, <laughs> if you thought he was puzzled, wait till you see how puzzled the hosts are. He was saying necessarily I'm that it was unauthorized. Say what you mean to me when you say it. When you're an attorney, you're very good at being very careful with your language. Yeah, and then, but then he said, you know, spying, and then he changed it to surveillance. So uh, I think he was using spying in the same way he was using surveillance, okay. and his goal is to find out whether it was appropriate or not appropriate. Uh, but when, he- when did politics become like, you know, when did analysis of politics become like a halftime show in a football game? You know what I mean? Well, you see, when William Barr was running offense, well, then he thought he was doing this. But really, when he said this word, he meant this. It's like, what are you, a fucking mind reader? (laughs) What he was thinking was, how the hell did you know what he was thinking? Did say. Why why haven't you won the lottery? 
I have, re I've re there are, there, I think there uh, is a yeah, basis yeah, yeah, for uh, concern mm. with regard to, call it surveillance, yeah. call it spying, yeah. call it whatever you want. Okay. The basis for concern about how the Russia investigation was launched yes. is what he said there, yes. but he wouldn't discuss why. And that, and that yeah. was even a walk back, right, from what? saying earlier, I think spying did occur to a basis for concern is a little bit less, but where is he getting <laughs> that? That's a walk back? Well, you see, he's walking it back. He started off by saying, I'm concerned, and he then said, I have a basis for that concern. So, don't you see how he's walking it back? Don't you see? The Democrats The Democrats have him running scared. He's confused. He doesn't know what he's fucking talking about, this guy. I mean, the pattern with Boris... Look, he may have evidence, he may have not, but, I mean, he's yeah. given us a, a lot of... There, it, this, is, this is a very serious matter. And it's very <laughs> they sound very sure of themselves, don't they? Very confident. Very confusing what he's trying to say he's even yeah. doing. It's well, not confusing at all. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> now they're telling us that it's confusing. This is very confusing. See, being confused at simple propositions and simple statements, it's not always the fault of the statement. For example... 2 plus 2 equals 4 is a relatively simple proposition for most people. But if you are a complete moron, then 2 plus 2 equals 4 is going to be really, really complicated. Do you know what I mean? So it doesn't necessarily mean that 2 plus 2 equals 4 is a complicated, you know, mathematical action. It could just be that you're too stupid to understand how simple it is, right? Well, he said he has a basis for concern about how the investigation started. Whoa, whoa, slow down, egghead. He's, he sounds confused to me. This is very confusing. This is so complex. I don't understand what he's talking about. I think he meant surveillance, but he said spying. Oh, no, he's walking it back. He's, you, don't you see how confused he is? Two plus two equals... I don't know. It's tough. Nobody's willing to give some opinion or give some, put some meat on the bone in areas uh, like this, and then other areas when people want to know about the conclusion on obstruction, he says, I, I, I won't address that. So yeah. there seems to be a little bit of a double standard in the way he's answering questions. <laughs> he's got a double standard. Wow. <laughs> There's a double standard here. There's a double standard. So they just said... I mean, from one sentence to the next, these people are very confused, ladies and gentlemen. They said that William Barr is not offering any, you know, any meat on the bone about this alleged, I, I have a basis for concern about spying. He's not giving us enough. He's not telling us evidence. It's all very confusing. He's not offering up enough information. And then the guy says, and on the question of obstruction, he's not saying enough. He's, he's, he's palming that off. He's not revealing anything. So, you know, he's a massive hypocrite. What? <laughs> this is a double standard? Great. What? Okay, if it's a double standard, full report. Full report about the Russia investigation. Looking forward to it. And Eli Honig can have absolutely no qualms with that whatsoever. Um, I want to cast your mind back to January, ladies and gentlemen. January 15 of this year. During the confirmation hearings for now AG, then nominee William Barr, who remembers this? Let's see what Lindsay's got to say. 
Thank you, Mr. Barr. Uh, we'll try to break around 1130, I think, to get a quick bite and break up the day for you. The beer. But uh, uh, one thing. If Elizabeth Warren was in there, we'll break at 1130 so I can get a beer. I want to tell you is that I support I the idea that politicians, beer. no matter what party, should not interfere with criminal investigations. That makes eminent sense to me. Once you go down that road, then the rule of law collapses. But there's another side to this uh, equation, if I may say a two-way street. What about those in charge of enforcing the law? What about those with the power to charges against American citizens, including people up here? I remember uh, Senator Stevens' case in Alaska. So we should always be on guard about the politician interfering in a investigation but we should also have oversight of how the department works and those with this tremendous power. I just noticed uh, that these people have their own little brand of water bottles. See the little seal on the water bottle there? I wonder if they put anything in the water. I wonder if they put anything in the water. Or use that power. Are you familiar with the uh, January 11th uh, New York Times article? Wait, wait, D.C.'s not in Michigan, isn't it? Ah, no, of course, the water's fine. About FBI open inquiry into whether Trump was secretly working on behalf of Russians. Yes, Mr. Chairman. Would you promise me and this committee to look into this and tell us whether or not, in the appropriate way, a counterintelligence investigation was opened up by somebody at the FBI slash Department of Justice against President Trump? Yes, Mr. Chairman, I think there are a number of investigations, as I understand it, going on in the department. Have you ever heard of such a thing in all the time you've been associated with the Department of Justice? Uh, I've, I have never heard of that. Are there rules about how you can do counterintelligence investigations? I believe there are, Mr. Chairman. So if you want to open up one against the president, are there any checks and balances? Uh, not outside the FBI. Okay. Well, we need to look at that. Uh, in terms of people who are actually enforcing the law, don't we want to make sure they don't have an agenda? That's right, Mr. Chairman. Do you know a uh, Lisa Page or Peter Strzok? I've heard their names. But do you know them personally? No, I don't. This is a message, August 8th, 2016, a text message. Trump's not ever going to become president, right? Right. Strzok responded, no, no, he's not. We'll stop him. Strzok was in charge of the Clinton email investigation. Ms. Page worked at the Department of Justice. August 15th, 2016. I want to believe the path you threw out for consideration in Andy's office that there's no way he gets elected, but I'm afraid we can't take that risk. It's like an Somebody in the chat asking about uh, Doc's show. That's not rude to ask. That's not rude to ask. Ask away. When is it? 10 p.m. Saturday. Doc and Phil D'Angelo. Phil, De Phil D'Angelo. D'Angelo. And the sultry southern tones of the southern bell, Doc Martin. 10 p.m. Saturday. There you go. That's not rude. <laughs> rude would be calling me fuckface, but I kind of like that stuff anyway. I always welcome trolls and seldom do they, you know, seldom do they bring it. And I'm so disappointed time after time. Time after time. You control, you can call me your fuck face. 
time after time. An insurance policy in the unlikely event you die before 40. March 4th, 2016. Page destruct. God, Trump is a loathsome human being. See, Lindsey Graham could be talking to William Barr right now about his driver's license. Look at the look on his face. Isn't that the look of every guy who works at the DMV? Oh, no, but I got a fine and then I filled out this form. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid you're going to have to move to the back of the queue. October the 20th, 2016. Trump is an effing idiot is unable to provide a coherent answer. Fucking to all what? those who enforce the law, you can have any opinion of us that you like, but you're supposed to do your job without an agenda. Do you promise me as Attorney General, if you get this job, to look in to see what happened in 2016? Yes, Mr. Chairman. How do these sta- Ding, 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 ding. Ladies and gentlemen, remember, remember on CNN, William Barr literally said months ago that he promises to look into how the investigation started, the Russian investigation. And now all of these publications, CNN, the New York Times, the Washington Post, all of them, I know because I I watch them all. I track them all. I even subscribe to the ones that I have to subscribe to. When I found out that the New York Times and the Washington Post were going under and they were becoming extremely sensationalized in their reporting, that's when I subscribed because I I said to myself, I want the ridiculous reporting delivered to my inbox. I don't even want to have to hunt it down. I want the crazy at my doorstep. Don't make me come looking for the crazy. Bring it to me for two bucks a week. Happy to pay it. Happy to pay it. Buy yourself another cup of coffee. You earned it. Now give me the crazy bullshit. <laughs> I look forward to it every day. <clears throat> I love my little email updates from the Washington Post. Here is the batshit crazy theory we are cooking up for this week. I'm like, ah, nice. So all of these publications, the Washington Post, the New York Times, MSNBC, CNN, all of them are now, it's, it's shock. What? What? Bar, bar's going to be looking into how this investigation started? What? That's crazy talk. There's no need to do that. There's no evidence for that. He sounds confused. He's walking it back. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's covering up for Donald Trump. William Barr is short for Barofsky, which is a Russian oligarch name. He's a criminal through and through. Do you want to hear it again? For those who are slow, back in January, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> But you're supposed to do your job without an agenda. Do you promise me as Attorney General, if you get this job, to look in to see what happened in 2016? Yes, Mr. Chairman. How do these... And got the job he did. And investigate he shall, even though the entirety of the corporate press is going to, in, you know, in broad consensus with one another, pretend like they had no idea that this was coming. <laughs> Speaking of which, here's another theory. Um, But he obviously has. Uh, It's concerning. Well, there's something else that he said. I'll I'll throw this to you, Nick, just to pick up exactly on that point. And and let's remind people, this is not somebody, not someone political from inside the White House saying this. This is the Attorney General of the United States. This is not somebody, not political from inside the White House, not saying this. Nothing. Okay. He said... He sounds really confused, doesn't he? (laughs) 
I do not view uh, it was a problem that's endemic to the FBI, but it's likely there was a failure at the top echelons. Okay. Oh, this is just all part of the White House's cover-up. In fact, the best... <laughs> The cover-up after after a report that took 22 months to write that issued 2,800 subpoenas and cost $30 million. Ah, it's a big cover-up. 22 months of Mueller time. It's a cover-up after William Barr, in his own confirmation hearing, literally said on the record under oath that, yes, I will investigate how the Russia campaign started. (laughs) It's a big cover-up from the White House. It's the worst, it's the most obvious cover-up of all time. Generally, what happens with a cover-up is you don't want to be, you don't want people talking about it. <laughs> Everybody's been talking about it. <laughs> it's a cover-up. It's all part, it's all part of the grand scheme. You see, Donald Trump, who is an idiot, who says the wrong things, who's dumb, who's got the mentality of a six-year-old, he is also an an international mastermind of the political cover-up at the same time. He's simultaneously a moron and a genius whenever we want him to be, whenever we decide it. He's a puppet of Russia. He controls cover-ups. He does it all. He's fucking Superman. The only thing he can't do is fly, but he used to have his own jets. So, you know, that kind of cancels that out, right? All part of the cover-up. Evidence of that is that Barr refused to answer the question yesterday whether he spoke to the White House or to oh. Trump about the report. The Mueller. <laughs> this guy seems really into his theory, doesn't he? <laughs> he refused to answer the question. Wow, that that's all I need to. That's all I need to know. He refused to answer a question. Why? Well, that that just says it's a cover-up to me. Thank you, umpires. Thank you, linesmen. Thank you, ball boys. Cover up it is. MSNBC, ladies and gentlemen, the bastion of sane and rational real news. Real news. I thought this was interesting. I saw this on The Guardian earlier. Dan the Man, thanks for joining us. But I thought Mueller was the saviour of mankind. He is, but it's, it's being covered up now. Or Mueller works for Russia too. I'm not sure. I thought this was interesting on The Guardian. Is Donald Trump a rhetorical genius? Video explainer, in case you haven't figured it out yet. We will make America great again. Donald Trump is a rhetorical genius. People don't like to hear that. Uh, Unfortunately, I have bad news for you, um, because he is. He is a person who just personally cannot be held accountable. But I think that he has developed these rhetorical strategies over his lifetime to prevent himself from, you know, being stuck, from being held accountable by... Now, see, (laughs) I was optimistic when the video started. I'm like, really? Somebody from The Guardian is admitting that Donald Trump is indeed a rhetorical genius? But it's like 30 seconds in and already my eye is twitching. I'm like, what? He doesn't get held accountable. (laughs) Has... Hasn't basically the the entirety of the quote-unquote free press in the Western world been calling him a fucking Nazi for the last three years? What the hell are you talking about? Sexual abuser of women, Nazi, corrupt, Putin's cock holster. He's done it all. Money laundering, tax evasion. (laughs) Not been held accountable. Ladies and gentlemen, every single night on CNN, they say we're holding Donald Trump accountable for his criminal actions. Okay. 
what he says. I refuse to say that he's a liar. Okay. We got very high ratings, by the way, but I won't mention that. I won't say that they <laughs> all said he's our favorite, but they did. The best way that you know that he knows what he's doing is when he uses the rhetorical figure of paralypses. Um, and everybody loves paralypses because this is the funny um, figure. This is the I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would never say that this video is fundamentally wrong in the way they approach why Donald Trump isn't being held accountable, but, you know, it's not that bad. Figure. I think they're weak generally. You want to know the truth, but I won't say that because I don't want to get myself. I don't want to have any controversy. Is that okay? No controversy. So I refuse to say that they're weak generally, okay? I'm not supposed to say this, but um, I think all of my competitors are just weak, right? Or you know, and he does that so that you can't hold him accountable for saying it. But, don't hurt but, him. but that doesn't, it's not true. Because he he says that, but they still say that it, they 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 hold him accountable for things that he didn't say, right? Like you know, Mexico. He he says all Mexicans are rapists. He didn't say all Mexicans are rapists. We're gonna hold him accountable. This racist Nazi pig. This Agent Orange, right? He didn't say that at all. He said Nazis are fine people. He didn't say that. We've got to hold him accountable for saying Nazis are fine people. So the, the the mere reality of the fact that he never gets held accountable because he uses paralypses, it's not true. It's objectively untrue. He does use that rhetorical technique when he speaks, but that doesn't stop him from being held accountable because he gets held accountable, quote unquote, for things that he doesn't even say. Oh, so he just gets away with it <laughs> because he speaks in like a smart ass bantering tone. Hey, I'm not going to say this guy's a piece of shit, but you know, he's all right. Everybody else doesn't like this piece of shit, but I think he's okay. I would never say, I would never say that Kim Jong-un is short and fat. Remember that one? Was that what he, is that what he said? I would never say that Kim Jong-un is short and fat. <laughs> never. <laughs> he didn't get held accountable for saying Kim Jong-un is short and fat later on tonight on MSNBC why Donald Trump is going to cause nuclear war with Kim Jong-un because he called him short and fat objectively not true I heard so somebody said it a while ago and I think, it, I think it's a great statement and I'll probably butcher the quote and I can't even remember who said it but they said uh, the problem is Donald Trump supporters take everything he says seriously but not literally and Donald Trump's opponents take everything he says literally, but not seriously, which I think is fan it's a fantastic way to sum it all up. That's exactly what happens. Don't hurt him. See, if I say, go get him, I get in trouble with the press, the most dishonest <laughs> human beings in the world. In a recent um, court case, he was found innocent on the grounds of a paralypsis. The case was brought against him by the protesters that he had, in fact, incited violence. Um, and they let the case go through, saying that there was probable cause that he did. But then they made the decision based on the fact that he said, don't hurt him. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. He's a rhetorical genius because the judges in that court case are not morons, apparently. Because he actually said, if I say go get him, they're going to accuse me of X. So don't hurt them. Because if I say go get him, they're going to accuse me of X. This was apparently some kind of Donald Trump rhetorical wizardry that fooled the court 
because he actually incited violence by saying, don't hurt them because if I say go get them, they're gonna, they're, the media is going to have a field day with this. Incitement to violence. The reason that the court case was thrown out was not because of Donald Trump's rhetorical genius per se. It was because the case was absurd and objectively untrue. The premise of the case is objectively untrue. I said, don't hurt him, he said. So you see that on a piece of paper and it says, well, Trump said, don't hurt him. <laughs> yeah. But in the moment, it's ambiguous whether Trump is saying don't hurt him. Or no, it's not. No, Or whether he's actually... Whether he's actually inciting violence. <laughs> you see, the problem is people are too stupid, too stupid to figure out whether or not Donald Trump is actually inciting violence or not. When he says don't hurt them, some people think that he's really saying go hurt them. <laughs> Unbelievable. You told me on my radio show, the audio and the transcript are out there on YouTube, that you would release your tax returns. True. Are you going back on your No, I'm not. Commitment? First of all, very few people listen to your radio show. That's the good news. <laughs> Let me just tell you. The rhetorical strategies that he uses um, allow him to essentially change the topic. Um, and he changes the topic in such a way that you can't hold him accountable for the thing that you're trying to accuse him of. Uh, for example, an ad hominem attack is attacking the person instead right. of attacking their argument. Yeah. Is there anything you regret? I'd love to have, have done in life. Like, for example, when somebody like Donald Trump or somebody else comes out and says that uh, immigration reform is needed on the southern border and then you call them a Nazi and say that they hate brown people. Would it be along those lines, that kind of ad hominem attack? in order to change a subject, to get the person then on the back foot and defending themselves and explaining why they're not a Nazi instead of discussing the topic of uh, immigration reform? Would that, be, would that be an example, do you think? Perhaps? I have certain things over, I guess. And you would have two. Give me one. You would have loved not to have contributed to the Clinton Foundation, as an example. But if you research, which is independent, says... Don't be naive. You're a very naive person. <laughs> Ad baculum is threats of force or intimidation. Knock the crap out of him, would you? Maybe he should have been roughed up. I'd like to punch him in the face, I'll tell you. Just knock the hell. He's a pig. Did anybody see uh, Robert De Niro advertising a Kia? Good, good, good American car, apparently, a Kia. Not Ikea, just a Kia. I know it's terribly confusing. Remember, remember Robert De Niro? He's a dog. He's a pig. He's a crook. <laughs> I'd like to punch him in the face. <laughs> Maybe we could uh, get Robert De Niro hauled up for incitement to violence. Wouldn't that be nice for a change? I promise you, I will pay for the legal fees. I promise. <laughs> I love the old days. You know what they used to do to guys like that when they were in a place like this? They'd be carried out on a stretcher, folks. <laughs> I don't know that would have done well, but I would have been boom, boom, boom. Pizza. <laughs> Trump loves hyperbole. hyperbole. Hyperbole is excessive speech. The greatest economy, the best votes, the second greatest, the greatest president. Craziest thing. The most brave. The most brave people. That's hyperbole. <clears throat> He's talking about, you know, war veterans and stuff. Would an example of hyperbole be, do you think that, uh, say, for example, if I was on a panel show on a cable news network, if I said something along, along the lines of, Donald Trump's rhetoric is literally threatening the existence of LGBT and uh, minority individuals. Would that be a would that be a case of hyperbole? Do you think? 
just just floating it out there. I'm just looking for you know adequate examples of hyperbole. Donald Trump wants to gas all of the gay people. He wants to send all of the black people back to Africa. Ah, okay. Would that would that be hyperbole? Do you think? Donald Trump is literally worse than Adolf Hitler. Would that be a case of hyperbole? Perhaps. Well, who's who's to say, really? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, 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 I just can't. <laughs> people two million trillion dollars and all time historic <laughs> like like ever close recorded up. in history he has said that he doesn't mind being compared to pt barnum how dare he ladies and gents this is the moment you've waited for that's not actual footage of pt barnum just wait you know just wait and see what happens we're going to keep you in suspense this is going to be the greatest show you've ever seen um there's definitely a lot of that in trump it's part of his marketing strategy yep well he is he is a businessman and he understands sales techniques so that doesn't surprise me in the slightest Reification is treating people like objects. Here we go. Sneaky, Here we go. Dirty rats. Boy, these are animals. I'm watching television and I see her barking like a dog. These aren't people. These are animals. Radical Democrats have turned into an angry mob. Ah, yeah. oh, come on. You can't use the angry mob as an example of turning things, people into objects. A mob is a group of people, it's not an object. Come on. Come on. See, the, the other ones I can let slide. Dirty dog, animals, that kind of stuff. That's fine. You can have those. That's f- fair enough. Three points to you. Three internets to you. But the Democrats are acting like an angry mob. That's not treating people like objects. A mob is not an object. A mob is defined as a group of angry people. <laughs> you, do, you don't have a mob of dishes. You know, you don't have a mob of broomsticks. A, a dirty dog like that. Anytime you're labeling people in a way that dehumanizes them, it's a Nazi! Xenophobe, homophobe, Nazi bigot. It's a what? War tactic. It's-, it's a war tactic. This Nazi, xenophobic, racist, misogynistic bigot in chief. This dog, this pig, this crook. I'd like to punch him in the face. Seems 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 like the whole seems like the whole world the the rest of the anyway the Trump hating world seems like they're all using the same tricks that Donald Trump has apparently mastered throughout his career. Why is he successful and they're not? I haven't figured that out. She doesn't explain that for some reason. <laughs> that, that point just flies right past. What people do and have historically done when they're trying to prepare a a nation to uh, go to war with another country uh, is we start to talk about them as a virus or as vermin right. as rats yep. whatever yep. Um, we start to use um you know disgusting names for them yeah. because that prepares people mentally to fight them usa usa <laughs> usa the techniques that trump uses to dehumanize people yep to threaten people, to um, make them into objects of ridicule, the way that he polarizes the us versus them mentality Mm. that he creates in his followers and in the political community writ large. That's all a recipe for um, democratic erosion. It's all his fault. 
Nobody was ever turning it into us versus them before Donald Trump came along. Why, before Donald Trump, everybody was happy sipping tea on the back porch, talking about what great friends they are. As seven or eight cities burned with race riots under the previous administration, ladies and gentlemen, that was just a manifestation of the love and unity and joy of a country well in acting well within itself to show its appreciation for its neighbours and those around them. That's all that was. It all started with Donald Trump because he's a rhetorical genius. And, you know, the, the dehumanising language that this idiot, misogynist, fraud, traitor, treasonous pig who Robert De Niro would like to punch in the face, well, that's it's just fair game. <laughs> it's his fault. You see. <laughs> Sensational stuff from The Guardian. One more article for you. I'd like to end on a high note. Fulham fans racist number plate banned. A Fulham fan had has had his COYW number plate banned after rule makers deemed it has racial overtones. I wonder where all of this racism stuff is coming from. The supporter who lives in California, <clears throat> pardon me, is suing the state's Department of Motor Vehicles, the DMV, I hope he doesn't get William Barr, after they blocked his application for a personalised number plate that pays tribute to the Cottages. The Cottages are Fulham, Fulham Football Club, which is in South London. Their home ground is right on the Thames River in London. It's very picturesque. It's beautiful. You could stand on the roof of Craven Cottage, which is the home ground, and piss into the Thames. It's that close. The DMV said the abbreviation COYW, come on you whites, could have, quote, racial overtones and carry, quote, connotations offensive to good taste and decency. Wow. You see, because they wear a white shirt. So the fans chant out, come on you whites. A lot of black players play for Fulham, by the way. I wonder how they feel about this racial overtone. Jonathan Kotler, a professor at the University of Southern California Annenberg School for Communication and Journalism, has described the decision as crazy. I love it when these things happen to professors of communication and journalism, because if anybody is going to, sometimes it takes, you know, you personally being affected by this nonsense to understand that the nonsense exists. You know, because we spend a lot of our time highlighting stories like this and saying, well, isn't this crazy? Look how crazy these people are getting. Don't you think this is insane? And most people say, you're, you're, blo- you're overblowing it. It's not really that bad. It's just about common sense, being nice to people. Don't be so ridiculous. You're, you're obsessed with PC. These kind of shallow lines get spewed out. But when it actually happens to you, where you can't have a number plate that says, come on, you whites, C-O-Y-W, because somebody at the DMV says, its its connotations are offensive to good taste and decency, then all of a sudden it starts to hit home. And then you remember all of the conversations you had with your, you know, your right-wing bigoted, obsessed with PC mad conservative friends who said, you know, this stuff's getting out of control. His current plate currently reads FFC, which would be Fulham Football Club, SW6 for the club's initials and stadium postcode, but he has applied for a new one that includes the letters C-O-Y-W. The hashtag C-O-Y-W is a standard feature of social media posts about the Lily Whites. 
Mr. Kotler says he has sent officials plenty of information to explain his choice of plate and how many clubs in the UK were known by their colours. Not good enough. Uh, imagine, imagine living in California where you're trying to get a license plate to support your football team, which exists in another country, that being England, and you are you are trying to send evidence that people in South London who support Fulham Football Club actually say, come on you whites, whilst cheering on a team that's filled with black people, right? And you you have to prove yourself that this is not a racist epithet, but rather an enduring, you know, an in, a loving, you know, term to support your your team, your football club. Imagine the insanity of collecting evidence to prove that you're not a racist because you want to support your football team. You can't, this quote... This is a quote from the professor. You can't allow bureaucrats to make decisions that are fundamental to what it means to be American and our free speech is one of those things. He added, when the government starts to infringe on our rights, that's when the individual citizen must speak up. Professor Kotler said he travels to watch Fulham on average around eight to ten times a season, often taking the 11-hour flight on a Thursday and returning back in the US by Tuesday ready to teach his students. His lawsuit asked the court to declare the DMV's criteria for personalised licence plates unconstitutional. The Department of Motor Vehicles said it does not comment on pending legal cases, but in its rejection letter to Mr. Kotler, it acknowledged the difficulties in balancing. This should should terrify you if you're an American. Listen to the language that's coming out of government departments. Death by protocol. Your free speech will be eroded through policy, not protest. Look at this. The difficult the DMV says the difficulties in balancing, quote, an individual's constitutional right to free speech and expression while protecting the sensibilities of all segments of our population. There it is. There it is. Do you want me to read it again? An official letter from the DMV about a license plate and the DMV is telling this American citizen that there are difficulties in, quote, in balancing an individual's constitutional right to free speech and expression while protecting the sensibility of all segments of our population. Think about that. Think about that, ladies and gentlemen. Unelected government bureaucrats on on your behalf are protecting the sensibilities of the entire population from your license plate that supports Fulham Football Club. And it's difficult for them to figure out whether or not a license plate that says C-O-Y-W, standing for Come On You Whites, in regards to literally the uniform that the Fulham Football Club wears... They, they have difficulty balancing that against, quote, protecting the sensibilities of segments of the population. Believe it or not. But my First Amendment. The DMV cares not for your rights. The unelected bureaucratic body exists apparently to make you stand in line for five hours to make you fill out an endless line of forms 
sending you to back to the back of the line to get another number, to fill out another number. So you can be confronted with a guy who looks like William Barr when you finally get up to the desk to then tell you that you can't have the personalised licence plate you want because here at the DMV, we believe not so much in an individual's constitutional right to free speech, but protecting the sensibilities of all segments in our population. Horrifying stuff. With that, guys... If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you'd like to fill out a form and have me stamp it and then tell you why it's the wrong form, you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. We'll be back tomorrow a little bit. We'll start a little bit later tomorrow for the free for all. I'll put out a tweet uh, later tonight. So if you want us to go over an article or a clip or something like that, it'll be the pinned tweet send it in and we'll go through it on the show thanks so much for joining us until next time guys stay calm stay rational god bless we'll see you soon bye bye is a big Fulham football fan, you know, because she's a white nationalist and all that. Invited by the Nazis, apparently. Come on, you whites. What about the Fulham football fans getting oppressed? It's not bad enough that their team is shit. (laughs) California hates them too. Poor Fulham. Come on, you Watts. All right, guys. Have a lovely night. See you tomorrow for the free-for-all. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye.